Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we will read chapters 17 and 18. In the previous episode we read chapters 15 and 16 and we find out that Leo had finally repaired Festus and also was able to attach some wings to Festus so now Festus can fly. And now uh, Leo currently has Leo, Piper and Jason are on Festus's back and their goal is to find the nor- god of the north wind and chase some storm spirits. So now we will read chapters 17 and 18 to possibly see if they get anywhere with the progress of meeting up with some storm spirits or being able to converse with the god of the north wind. So without further ado, on with the show. Leo. Leo was totally buzzing. The expression on everyone's face when he flew the dragon into camp, priceless. He thought his cabin weights were going to bust a lug nut. Festus had been awesome too. He hadn't blowtorched a single cabin or eaten any satyrs. Even if he did dribble a little oil from his ear. Okay, a lot of oil. Leo could work on that later. So maybe Leo didn't seize the chance to tell everybody about Bunker 9 or the flying boat design. He needs some time to think about all that. He could tell them when he came back. If I come back, part of him thought. Nah, he'd come back. He'd scored a sweet magic tool belt from the bunker, plus a lot of cool cool supplies now safely stowed in his backpack. Besides, he had a fire-breathing, only slightly leaky dragon on his side. What could go wrong? Well, the control disc could go bust, the bad part of him suggested. Festus could eat you. Okay, so the dragon wasn't quite as fixed as Leo might have let on. He worked all night attaching those wings, but he hadn't found an extra dragon brain anywhere in the bunker. Hey, they were under a time limit. Three days until the solstice. They had to get going. Besides, Leo had cleaned the disc pretty well. Most of the circuits were still good. It would just have to hold together. His bad side started to think, Yeah, but what if... Shut up, me! Leo said aloud. What? Piper asked. Nothing. He said, Long night. I think I'm hallucinating. It's cool. Sitting in front, Leo couldn't see their faces, but he assumed from their silence that his friends were not pleased to have a sleepless, hallucinating dragon driver. Just joking, Leo decided. It might be good to change the subject. So what's the plan, bro? You said something about catching wind or breaking wind or something? As they flew over New England, Jason laid out the game plan. First, find some guy named Boreas and grill him for information. His name is Boreas? Leo had to ask. What is he, the god of boring? Second, Jason continued. They had to find those venti that had attacked them at the Grand Canyon. Can we just call them storm spirits? Leo asked. Venti makes them sound like evil espresso drinks. And third, Jason finished. They had to find out who the storm spirits worked for so that they could find Hera and free her. So you want to look for Dylan, the nasty storm dude, on purpose, Leo said. The guy who threw me off the side skywalk and sucked Coach Hedge into the clouds. That's about it, Jason said. Well, there may be a wolf involved too, but I think she's friendly. She probably won't eat us unless we show weakness. Jason told him about his dream, the big nasty mother wolf in a burned out house with stone spires growing out of the swimming pool. Uh-huh, Leo said, but you don't know where this place is. Nope, Jason admitted. There's also giants, Piper added. The prophecy said the giant's revenge. 
Hold on, Leo said. Giants like more than one? Why can't it just be one giant who wants revenge? I don't think so, Piper said. I remember in some of the old Greek stories, there was something about an army of giants. Great, Leo muttered. Of course, with our luck, it's an army. So you know anything else about these giants? Didn't you do a bunch of myth research for that movie with your dad? Your dad's an actor? Jason asked. Leo laughed. <laughs> I keep forgetting your, about your amnesia. <laughs> forgetting about amnesia. That's funny. But yeah, her dad's Tristan McLean. Uh, sorry, what was he in? It doesn't matter. Piper said quickly. The giants. Well, there were a lot of giants in Greek mythology, but if I'm thinking the right ones, they were bad news. Huge, almost impossible to kill. They could throw mountains and stuff. I think they were related to the Titans. They rose from the earth after Kronos lost the war. I mean, the first Titan war, thousands of years ago. And they tried to destroy Olympus. If we're talking about the same giants, Chiron said it was happening again. Jason remembered. The last chapter, that's what he meant. No wonder he didn't want us to know all the details. Leo whistled. So, giants who can throw mountains. Friendly wolves that will eat us if we show weakness. Evil espresso drinks. Gotcha. Maybe this isn't the time to bring up my psycho babysitter. Is that another joke? Piper asked. Leo told him about Tia Kalida who was really Hera, and how she'd appeared to him at, at camp. He didn't tell them about his fire abilities. That was still a touchy subject, especially after Nyssa had told him about fire demigods tend to destroy cities and stuff. Besides, then Leo would have to get into how he caused his mom's death, and no, he wasn't ready to go there. She didn't manage to tell about the night she died, but not the mentioning fi the fire, just saying the machine shop collapsed. It was easier without having to look at his friends just keeping his eyes straight ahead as they flew. And he told him about the strange woman in earthen robes who seemed to be asleep and seemed to know the future. Leo estimated the whole state of Massachusetts passed below them before his friend spoke. That's disturbing, Piper said. About sums it up, Leo agreed. Thing is, everybody says they don't trust Hera. She hates demigods, and the prophecy said we'd cause death if we unleash her rage. So I'm wondering, why are we doing this? She chose us, Jason said. All three of us. We're the first of the seven who have to go gather for the great prophecy. This quest is the beginning of something much bigger. That didn't make Leo feel any better. But he couldn't argue with Jason's point. It did feel like this was the start of something huge. He just wished that if there were four more demigods destined to help them, they'd show up quick. Leo didn't want to hog all the terrifying, life-threatening adventures. Besides, Jason continued... Helping Hera is the only way I can get back my memory. The dark spire in my dreams seemed to be fading on Hera's energy. If that thing unleashes a king of giants by destroying Hera. Not a good trade-off. Piper agreed. At least Hera's on her side. I, mostly. Losing her would throw the gods into chaos. She's the main one who keeps peace in the family. And a war with the giants could be even more destructive than the Titan War. Jason nodded. Chiron's also talked about the worst, force, worst forces stirring on the solstice, with it being a good time for dark magic and all, something that could awaken if Hera were sacrificed on that day. And if this mistress, who's controlling the storm spirits, the one who wants to kill all the demigods, might be that weird sleeping lady, Leo finished. Dirt woman finally awake, fully awake? Not something I want to see. 
But who is she? Jason asked. And what does she have to do with giants? Good questions, but none of them had answers. They flew in silence while Leah wondered if he'd done the right thing, sharing so much. He never told anyone about that night at the warehouse, even if he hadn't given them the whole story. It still felt strange. Like he'd opened up his chest and taken out all the gears that made him tick. His body was shaking, and not from the cold. He hoped Piper, sitting behind him, couldn't tell. The forge and dove shall break the cage. Wasn't that the prophecy line? That meant Piper and he would have to figure out how to break into that magic rock prison, assuming they could find it. Then they'd unleash Hera's rage, causing a lot of death. Well, that sounded fun. Leo had seen Thea Kalita in action. She liked knives, snakes, and putting babies in roaring fires. Yeah, definitely let's unleash her rage. Great idea. Festus kept flying. The wind got colder. And below them, snowy forests seemed to go on forever. Leo didn't know exactly where Quebec was. He told Festus to take them to the place of Boreas. And Festus kept going north. Hopefully the dragon knew the way. And they wouldn't end up at the North Pole. Why don't you get some sleep? Piper said in his ear. You were up all night. Leo wanted to protest, but the word sleep sounded really good. You won't let me fall off? Piper patted his shoulder. Trust me, Valdez. Beautiful people never lie. Right, he muttered. He leaned forward against the raw, warm bronze of the dragon's neck and closed his eyes. That's the end of chapter 17. We'll have to see more about uh, the group meeting Tia Kalita and possibly if it's true that Tia Kalita is in fact Hera. And yeah, seeing what Tia Kalita was had a liking for i really do hope that hera isn't like that even though we have seen how she has acted with previous uh demigods such as annabeth and percy but hopefully she's changed because since uh jason is zeus's son then she might be able to change her mind but right after the break we will read chapter 18 which is from leo's perspective once again and we will see to more about this adventure possibly more details so right after the break, we'll read Chapter 17, Leo. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read Chapter 18, Leo. It seemed he only slept for, for sight, he slept only for seconds. But when Piper shook him awake, the daylight was fading. We're here, she said. Leo rubbed the sleep out of his eyes. Below them, a city sat on a cliff overlooking a river. The plains around it were dusted with snow, but the city itself glowed warmly in the winter sunset. Buildings crowded together inside high walls like a medieval town, way older than any place Leo had seen before. In the center was an actual castle, at least Leo assumed it was a castle, with massive red brick walls and a square tower with a peaked green gabled roof. Tell me that's Quebec and not Santa's workshop, Leo said. Yeah, Quebec City, Piper confirmed. One of the oldest cities in North America, found around 1600 or so. Leo raised an eyebrow. Your dad do a movie about that too? She made a face at him, which Leo was used to, but it didn't quite work with her new glamorous makeup. I read sometimes, okay? Just because Aphrodite claimed me doesn't mean I have to be an airhead. Feisty, Leo said. So you know so much, what's that castle? 
A hotel, I think. Leo laughed. <laughs> no way. But as they got closer, Leo saw she was right. The grand entrance was bustling with doormen, valets, and porters taking bags. Sleek black luxury cars idled in the drive. People in elegant suits and winter cloaks hurried to get out of the cold. The North Wind is staying in a hotel? Leo said. That can't be. Heads up, guys, Jason interrupted. We got company. Leo looked below and saw what Jason meant. Rising from the top of the tower were two winged figures. Angry angels with nasty-looking swords. Festus didn't like the angel guys. He swooped to a halt in midair, wings beating and talons bared, and made a rumbling sound in his throat that Leo recognized. He was getting ready to blow fire. Steady, boy, Leo muttered. Something told him the angels would not take kindly to getting torched. I don't like this, Jason said. They look like storm spirits. At first, Leo thought he was right. But as the angels got closer, he could see they were much more solid than Venti. They looked like regular teenagers except for their icy white hair and feathery purple wings. Their bronze swords were jagged like icicles. Their faces looked similar enough that they might have been brothers, but they definitely weren't twins. One was the size of an ox with a bright red hockey jersey, baggy sweatpants, and black leather cleats. The guy clearly had been in too many fights because both his eyes were black, and when he bared his teeth, several of them were missing. The other guy looked like he'd just stepped on one of Leo's mom's 1980s rock album covers. Journey, maybe, or Hall of Oats, or Holland Oats, or something even lamer. His ice white hair was long and feathered into a mullet. He wore pointy-toed leather shoes, designer pants that were way too tight, and a god-awful silk shirt with the top three buttons open. Maybe he thought he looked like a groovy love god, but the guy couldn't have weighed more than 90 pounds. He had a bad case of acne. The angels pulled up in front of the dragon and hovered there, swords at the ready. The hockey ox grunted, No clearance! Excuse me? Leo said. You have no flight plan on file, explained the groovy love god. On top of his other problems, he had a French accent so bad Leo was sure it was fake. This is restricted airspace. Destroy them? The ox showed off his gap-toothed grin. The dragon began to hiss steam, ready to defend them. Jason summoned his golden sword, but Leo cried, Hold on! Let's have some manners here, boys. Can I at least find out who has the honor of destroying me? I am Cal, the ox grunted. He looked very proud of himself, like he'd taken a long time to memorize that sentence. That's short for Callias, the love god said. Sadly, my brother cannot say words with more than two syllables. Pizza, hockey, destroy, Cal offered, which includes his own own name. Love God the love God included. I am Cal, Cal repeated, and this is Zetis, my brother. Wow, Leo said. That was almost three sentences, man. Way to go. Cal, Cal grunted, obviously pleased with himself. Stupid buffoon, his brother grumbled. They make fun of you. But no matter what, but, but no matter, I am Zetis, which is short for Zetis. And the lady there, you winked at Piper, but the wink was more like a facial seizure. She can call me anything she likes. Perhaps she wouldn't like to have dinner with a famous demigod before we must destroy you. Piper made a sound like gagging on a cough drop. 
that's a truly horrifying offer. It is no problem that this wiggled his eyebrows. We are very romantic people. We are, we Boreads. Boreads? Jason cut in. Do you mean like the sons of Boreas? Ah, so you've heard of us. Zethius looked pleased. We are our father's gatekeepers, so you understand we cannot have un unauthorized people flying in his airspace on creaky dragons, scaring the silly mortal peoples. He pointed below, and Leo saw that the mortals were starting to take notice. Several were pointing up, not with alarm, yet more with confusion and annoyance, like the dragon was a traffic helicopter flying too low. Which is sadly why this is an emergency landing, Zethi said, brushing his hair out of his acne-card face. We'll have to destroy you painfully. Destroy, Cal agreed, with a little more enthusiasm than Leo thought necessary. Wait, Piper said, this is an emergency landing. Huh? Cal looked so disappointed, Leo almost felt sorry for him. Zethi studied Piper, which of course he'd already been doing. How does a pretty girl decide this is an emergency, then? We have to see Boreas. It's totally urgent. Please? She forced a smile, which Leo figured must have been killing her. But she still had that blessing of Aphrodite thing going on, and she looked great. Something about her voice, too. Leo found himself believing every word. Jason was nodding, looking about absolutely con convinced. Zeddy's picked up uh, picked at his silk shirt. Probably making sure it was still wi open wide enough. Well, I hate to disappoint a lovely lady, but you see, my sister, she would have an avalanche if we allowed you. And our dragon is mal malfunctioning, Piper added. He could crash any minute. Festus shuddered helpfully, then turned his head and spilled gunk out of his ear, splattering a black Mercedes in the parking lot below. No destroy? Cal whimpered. Zeddy's pop pondered the problem. Then he gave Piper another spasmodic wink. Well, you are pretty. I mean, you're right. A malfunctioning dragon. This could be an emergency. Destroy them later? Cal offered, which is probably as close to friendly as he ever got. It'll take some explaining, Zeddy's decided. Father has not been kind to visitors lately, but yes, come, faulty dragon people. Follow us. The Boreads sheathed their swords and pulled smaller weapons from their, from their belts. Or, at least, Leo thought they were weapons. Then the Boreads switched, switched them on and Leo realized that they were flashlights with orange cones. Like the ones traffic controller gun guys use on a runway. Cal and Zethus turned and swooped toward the hotel's tower. Leo turned to his friends. I love these guys. Follow them? Jason and Piper didn't look eager. I guess, Jason decided. We're here now. But I wonder why Boreas hasn't been kind to visitors. Pfft, he just hasn't met us. Leo whistled. Festus, after those flashlights. As they got closer, Leo worried they'd crash into the tower. The Boreads made right for the green gabled peak and didn't slow down. Then a section of the slanted roof slid open, revealing an entrance easily wide enough for Festus. The top and bottom were slid with icicles like jagged teeth. This cannot be good, Jason muttered, but Leo spurred the dragon downward. They swooped in after the Boreads. They landed in what must have been the penthouse suite, but the place had been hit by a flash freeze. The entry hall had vaulted, ceilings 40 feet high, huge draped windows and lush oriental carpets. A staircase at the back of the room 
led up to another equally massive hall, and more corridors branched off to the left and right. But the ice made the room's beauty a little frightening. When Leo slid off the dragon, the carpet crunched under his feet. A fine layer of frost covered the furniture. The curtains didn't budge because they were so frozen solid. And the ice-coated windows let in weird, watery light from the sunset. Even the ceiling was furry with icicles. As for the stairs, Leo was sure he'd climb and break his neck if he tried to climb them. Guys, Leo said, fix the thermostat in here, and I would totally move in. Not me. Jason looked uneasily at the staircase. Something feels wrong. Something up here. Festus shuddered and snorted flames. Frost started to form on his skulls. Scales. No, 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 Zedis marched over, though how he could walk in those pointy leather shoes, Leo had no idea. In those pointy leader shoes, leather shoes, leader, the dragon must be deactivated. We can't have fire in here. The heat ruins my hair. Festus growled and spun his drill-bit teeth. It's okay, boy. Leo turned to Zethus. The dragon's a little touchy about the whole deactivation concept, but I've got a better solution. Destroy? Cal suggested. No, man, you gotta stop with the destroy talk. Just wait. Leo, Piper said nervously. What are you... Watch and learn, beauty queen. When I was repairing Festus last night, I found all kinds of buttons. Sometimes, some you do not want to know what they do. But others... Ah, here we go. Leo hooked his fingers behind the dragon's left foreleg. He pulled a switch, and the dragon shuddered from head to toe. Everyone backed away as Festus folded like origami. His bronze plating stacked together. His neck and tail contracted into his body. His wings collapsed, and his trunk compacted until he was a regular rectangular metal-weighted wedge the size of a suitcase. Leo tried to lift it, but the thing weighed about six billion pounds. Um, yeah, hold on, I think... uh, uh. He pushed another button. A handle flipped up on the top, and wheels clicked out on the bottom. Ta-da! He announced. The world's heaviest carry-on bag. That's impossible, Jason said. Something that bid couldn't... Stop! Zedis ordered. He and Cal both drew their swords and glared at Leo. Leo raised his hands. Okay, what what did I do? Stay calm, guys. If it bothers you that much, I don't have to take the dragoness carry-on. Who are you? Zedis shoved a, a, the point of his sword against Leo's chest. A child of South Wind? Spying on us? What? No! Leo said. Son of Hephaestus, friendly blacksmith, no harm to anyone? Cal growled. He put his face up to Leo's, and he definitely wasn't any prettier at point-blank. With his bruised eyes and bashed-in mouth, smell fire, he said. Fire is bad. Oh, Leo's heart's raced. Yeah, well, m- m- my clothes are kind of singed, and I've been working with oil in. No! Zetis pushed Leo back at sword point. We can smell fire, demigod. We assumed it was from a creaky dragon, but now the fi- dragon is a suitcase, and I still smell fire on you. If it hadn't been like three degrees in the penthouse, Leo would have started sweating. Hey, look, I don't know. He glanced at his friends desperately. Guys, a little help? 
Jason had already had his gold coin in his hand. He stepped forward, his eyes on Zetas. Look, there's been a mistake. Leo isn't a fire guy. Tell them, Leo. You tell them you're not a fire guy. Um, Zetas? Piper tried her dazzling smile again, although she looked a little too nervous and cold to pull it off. We're all friends here. Put down your swords and let's talk. The girl is pretty, Zethus admitted. And of course, she can she cannot help being attracted to my amazingness, but sadly, I cannot romance her at this time. He poked his sword far farther into Leo's chest, and Leo could feel the frost spreading across his shirt, turning his skin numb. He wished he could reactivate Festus. He needed some backup, but it would have taken several minutes. Even if he could reach the button with two purple winged crazy guys in his path. Destroy him now? Cal asked his brother. Zethus nodded. Sadly, I think... No, Jason insisted. He sounded calm enough, but Leo figured out he was about two seconds away from flipping that coin and going into full gladiator mode. Leo's just the son of Hephaestus. He's no threat. Piper here is a daughter of Aphrodite. I'm the son of Zeus. We're on a peaceful... Jason's voice faltered because both Boreas's Boreads had suddenly turned on him. What did you say? Zethes demanded. You are the son of Jew Zeus? Um, yeah, Jason said. That's a good thing, right? My name is Jason. Cal looked so surprised, he almost dropped his sword. Can't be Jason, he said. Doesn't look the same. Zethes stepped forward and squinted at Jason's face. No, he is not our Jason. Our Jason was more stylish, not as much as me, but stylish. Besides, our Jason died million, millennia ago. Wait, Jason said, your Jason? You mean the original Jason, the Golden Fleece guy? Of course, Zethes said. We were his crewmates aboard his ship, the Argo, in the old times, when we were mortal demigods. And we accepted immortality to serve our father. So I could look this good for all time. And my silly brother could enjoy pizza and hockey. Hockey! Cal agreed. But Jason, our Jason, he died a mortal death, Sethi said. You can't be him. I'm not, Jason agreed. So destroy? Cal asked. Clearly the conversation was giving his two serial brain cells a serious workout. No, Sethi said regretfully. If he is the son of Zeus, he could be the one we've been watching for. Watching for? Leo asked. You mean like a good way? You'll shower him with fa fa fabulous prizes? Or for or watching for like in a bad way? He's in trouble? A girl's voice said, That depends on my father's will. Leo looked up the staircase. His heart nearly stopped. At the top stood a girl in a white silk dress. His, her skin was unnaturally pale, the color of snow, but her hair was a lush mane of black, and her eyes were coffee brown. She focused on Leo with no expression, no smile, no friendliness. But it didn't matter. Leo was in love. She was the most dazzling girl he'd ever seen. Then she looked at Jason and Piper and seemed to understand the situation immediately. Father will want to see the one called Jason, the girl said. Then it is him? Zedis asked excitedly. We'll see, the girl said. Zedis, bring our guests. Leo grabbed the handle of his bronze dragon suitcase. He wasn't sure how he'd lug it up the stairs, but he had to get it. He had to, he had to get next to that girl and ask him some, her some important questions like 
her email address and phone number. Before he could take a step, she froze him with a look. Not literally froze, but she might as well have. Not you, Leo Valdez, she said. In the back of his mind, Leo wondered how she knew his name. But mostly, he, f- he was just concentrating on how crushed he felt. Why not? He probably sounded like a whiny kindergarten, but he couldn't help it. You cannot be in the presence of my father, the girl said. Fire and ice. It would not be wise. We're going together, Jason insisted, putting his hand on Leo's shoulder. Or not at all. The girl tilted her head like she wasn't used to people refusing her orders. He will not be harmed, Jason Grace, unless you make trouble. Callias, keep Leo Valdez here. Guard him, but do not kill him. Cal pouted. Just a little... No, the girl insisted, and take fair, take care of his in- interesting suitcase until father passes judgment. Jason and Piper looked at Leo. Their expressions asked him a silent question. How do you want to play this? Leo felt a surge of gratitude. They were ready for fi- to fight for him. They wouldn't leave him alone with the hockey ox. Part of him wanted to go for it, bust out his new tool belt and see what he can do. Maybe even summon a fireball or two and warm this place up. But the Boreat guy scared him, and that gorgeous girl scared him more, even if he still wanted her number. It's fine, guys, he said. No sense causing trouble if we don't have to. You go ahead. Listen to your friend, the pale girl said. Leo Valdis will be perfectly safe. I wish I could say the same for you, son of Zeus. Now, Kim, now, now come. King Boreas is waiting. And that is the end chapter 18 that was a really interesting chapter because now jay the, the group now meets entirely new people they met cal they met zethus they uh and they seem pretty nice at first they seem really really nice and they don't seem too mean or anything which is really good and i really do wonder what it is about jason being the son of zeus that is so shocking because Could it be possibly that King Boreas and Zeus have some good or bad history in the past? Possibly. But we will uh, hopefully Jason is in for a good side of it and not the bad side because then he would technically be done for. But maybe it's also about the pledge that all three gods took. It's a lot of possibilities, but we'll have to find out what those possibilities are when we read chapter uh, the rest of the chapter chapter 19 so i will read a little bit of it and then i will sign off and we will read the rest of it next week chapter 19 jason jason didn't want to leave leo but he was starting to think that hanging out with cal the hockey jock might be the least dangerous option in this pal uh, in this palace as they climbed the icy staircase zethus stayed behind them his blade drawn the guy might have looked like a disco era reject but there was nothing funny about his sword Jason figured one hit from that thing would probably turn him into a popsicle. Then there was the Ice Princess. Every once in a while, she'd turn and give Jason a smile, but there was no warmth in her expression. She regarded Jason like he was an especially interesting science specimen, one she couldn't wait to dissect. And that's all I will read for chapter 19. I really am interested uh, about learning more about this Ice Princess and who who they could possibly be. But... Again, we'll probably have to find out until next week. But until then, guys, stay safe and stay out of boredom. And thank you for listening to this podcast.